Connor, I can't squeeze the tights there. Did you not hear that mics were live? Oh, like, oh shit, we're live now. <laughs> I was just trying to. I was trying to slip it out, and there's, there's something big and. Right. Well, Obviously, someone is protesting the... against Live Radio at Live Station. So, beside that, greetings, commanders, and welcome to episode 260 of Live Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it, apart from the person who's blocking Live Station at the moment. I am your host, Chief Archivist of Live Station, uh, Commander Phoenix Tafaya, that's otherwise known as Colin Ford, and then joining me in the orange sidewinder bar not far away from Live Station, we have Commander Kurgle who's our Lavian Space Programme Director. Hey, good evening. We have our Deputy Trade Attaché, Commander Souverine. What up? We have our Inhuman Resources Director, Commander Shan. Hello. And we have our Head of Health and Safety, Captain Innuendo Ben Mosswoodwood, Commander Aid Levice. Well, we've managed to slip great hard out of the docking bay now, you'll be pleased to know. And Lave Station is once again open for business. So you basically managed it. No, I'm not going to. I'm, no, I'm not he, going to. We, we now have a surge detected, Colin. Moving. I'm just, I'm just going to dock up and pay my uh, my fine. <laughs> <laughs> so as, as you can hear, you can join us live. Um, we've got at least two commanders flying around Lave Station at the moment. Um, but if you can't get to us in game, you can join us in the Twitch chat channel, which you can access through laveradio.com slash live and click on the live twat. Chat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be one of those nights. And on Twitch TV slash live radio. So we'll go around the, the crew, see how they've been for the last week or so. So we'll, come out, we'll start with Commander Souverine. Uh, I've been great, thanks. Um, I've been um, I've been on a bit of a racing game rampage. Um, I uh, the Suvette and I got massively into Mario Kart recently, which is um, turns out is completely bloody brilliant. Um, and uh, and then Dirt Rally came out as a free download, um, and uh, I downloaded that. And it turns out that this, you can't use the same methodology on that as you do in Mario Kart. So holding the accelerator down all the way and uh, and power sliding around every turn doesn't yield the same results, which is quite annoying. Um, so that's been fun. Um, and out of game or out of games, I, uh, I, I, we went to some friends of mine uh, for the weekend um, who live in, well, they did uh, used to live in Edinburgh, which is where I met um, her, who's the, the half of the couple that I'm friends with. Um, and then they've just recently moved down to Shrivenham near the Cotswolds. And we went to stay with them for the weekend, which is really fun. Um, we just drank a load of wine and, cooked a nice supper and caught up so uh so yeah quite a nice week really i can see this genuinely that sounds excellent <laughs> <laughs> commander kurgel nice to have you back on hey thank you um my week has been busy mourning the loss of my bike which was stolen from work uh we oh. just talked about that briefly before the show started uh but in a horrific accident someone let in a robber and they stole all our bikes uh so morning that and starting my new module for my degree which is ju they've just dropped all our coursework on us so mostly i've been reading through that for the last week i'm also nice. really intrigued to know um Suve, which mario kart you were playing uh mario kart 8 deluxe on the switch 
Oh, so nice. I've, I've played Mario Kart occasionally, like in dribs and drabs, you know, because it's been out since like 1970 or something ridiculous. Um, but this iteration is the first one that I've ever played like more than one go at. And it turns out there's actually quite a lot to it and all the characters are different and the, you can do different things with the power-ups and stuff. And so I sort of feel like I've just discovered it for the first time. Really. Yeah, I have very fond memories of the Super Nintendo version. Hmm. Uh, Commander Shan, how have you been? I haven't been too bad this week. Um, In-game, I've been Paynight Mining on my various accounts, um, boosting their cash up a bit. Um, Out-of-game, I was quite enjoying the the Brexit news stuff that's been going on. But then the other day, they had a crossover episode with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and so it got a bit boring after that. I am just scared to ask. That's the first shot of the night for me. Uh-huh. Well, no, no, it should be the second. Really? Yeah, because uh, it's whenever Kurgle mentions university work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you're struggling to work out what the Marvel Cinematic Actually, Universe no, was. I know what it was. It's no, I it. Yes. Uh, no, it should be the third. Because every time I make a mad, uh, bad mispronunciation, and I think four, it's five now. Chat <laughs> is certainly up there. That wasn't the best, yeah. <laughs> so you should. So those of you who are falling asleep in your drinking game, <laughs> you are on your merry way right now, <laughs> and brace yourselves. <laughs> yeah. We've been on air for seven minutes, and you should have had about that many shots so far. Just like the chat about Souverine's Waggler last week. It's going to be a long one tonight. Apart from that, Shan, before we, we go back to that, which, yes, that's we'll cover in a minute. Go on. What else have you been up to? Uh, that's really I'm, I'm out of jokes for the week so you know choose uh, someone else you must have had a you must have a, a child that's about to go to or graduate from university surely uh, you can't run out of them well I can't run out of children I've only got two um, oh yeah the youngest mini Shan is um, currently in Windsor learning how to be a trumpeter in the House of Cavalry so he's the guy who'll be marching out in front of all the processions in the gold uniform and blowing the fanfares in front of the Queen. So, stuff, Shan, so. how happy are you to know that your son <clears throat> likes blowing a trumpet in public? Ecstatic, actually, because um, he can make quite a good sound out of it, apparently. Yeah. They even have music. They even have music they have to learn, which is, well, which it's is quite bizarre. Well, it's blowing a trumpet completely without any guidance or direction. Well, I, I kind of wanted it to be one of those like party streamers that sort of unravel if you blow them. <laughs> okay then everyone brace yourselves uh, Ben how have you been this week I've been good uh, Grant was asking me why I wouldn't play with him over the weekend and I had to send him photographic evidence of why I wasn't playing with him because I was currently playing in a little pl- in a kid's play park um, um, on your own or with <laughs> it, was a, it was a public play park yeah, but on the same bent, did you have children in the play park, or is this something you? Yes, there were children in the play park. How was your and ankle your not beeping like mad? My children were also in the play park at the time. This, uh, this so... is going a bit dark. I don't really want to go there. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Uh, so yeah, that 
that happened. Um, apart from that, yeah, so it's basically, I've been doing stuff with my kids. Uh, it's my son's birthday today, so I will wish him a happy birthday. Uh, and it sucks that I can't be there um, if my brother-in-law or anyone else in my family is listening, which is probably not. I wish I were there, but I have to work, and that sucks. Um, but on the bright side, it means I get to embarrass Colin as often as I can. So that's good. That's good. Um, apart from that, I've been I've actually I've been playing with my kids again, actually, because I've been playing Minecraft with them. Uh, I thought I feel really dirty actually for this because, you know, my eldest is playing on his Xbox. My youngest is play. Well, my my middle son is play. Middle son, youngest son, is playing on his PlayStation. Their brother is playing on either an iPad or an Xbox. So I've had to go off and install the Windows 10 version of Minecraft to play with all these guys. And that seems really dishonest to someone who's been playing Minecraft since before it was Minecraft. And I'm used to the good old Java version, which you could actually modify and do whatever the hell you wanted to with it at your heart's content. So can you create your own server and then they can all play on the same server irrespective of the device? That is bas- so basically, I, you know, my son just goes off and says, right, I'm playing on my world. And then because you know, we're using the Xbox or Xbox account, so I've got, my ex- I've got my Microsoft account. We've all got Microsoft accounts, obviously. Uh, and then it's just like, right, well, your son's your friend, so you can just go and play on his server when he's playing, obviously. Oh, nice. Which is, is it's very, it is nice. It's about fracking time. Yeah, cross I wish we could do it. I wish we could do it in Elite. Yeah. But my God, do I feel dirty for having to use the contaminated version of, of Minecraft. <laughs> so this is the C sharp version, not the Java. Yeah, it's the it's the evil corporate dick version of it. Well, Notch did sell it. He did, and he made his millions or billions, and he's like, ah. Oh. He now doesn't know what to do. <laughs> the worst thing is, I'm actually quite enjoying it. That's what I feel really dishonest about. So it's dirty, but you love it. That sounds a bit normal for so you. So, Colin, when's your boss listening to this episode? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um,. I've been playing with my alt to try and get her a little bit further advanced in the game. I haven't been able to play as much as I'd want to this week. Um, Yes, and uh, it turns out that uh, um, I have lately started a new job, and my boss found out that, oh, uh, about this podcast, and of course, the one episode he did listen to was last week's, with everybody discussing how to wiggle their joysticks. Which, yeah, I just like to remind everybody here: I'm still on probation. Thanks a bunch. <laughs> well, we'll have to fix that, Colin. Daddy, why are you crying? <sighs> so, um, moving on from there. <laughs> Hi, Colin. Yes, the chat room is now saying hello to my my new boss. Thank you. <laughs> quite, I'm quite I'm quite sure he'll be gratified to hear this. Hi, Colin's I boss. Probably have the Mickey taken out of me. Something rotten. Yeah, chat room. If you've got any stories about Colin you want us to read out, just put them in, and we'll read them out. 
No, no, don't worry. I don't think there's anything that bad out there anyway. <sighs> Apart from being scared of Jaffa Cakes. I might have to call my fleet carrier Colin's boss. <laughs> <laughs> well, moving on to uh, more important matters. Um, obviously, the big news this week is all about tomorrow. Uh, and what's happening tomorrow is we are finally getting the September update, which is, well, small. <laughs> uh, uh, I think that that's the the good way to... To, to be to fair, Frontier have always said it is a bit small. We've got lots of things to talk about, though, before we get to the contents of September update, haven't we, though? And... Right, okay, so have we gone off a bit off-piste here? What would you like to talk about? Well, just a couple of couple of things. Um, uh, Van Dian, 2021 from the Truckers, did some significant maths, and he was working out, is it possible to feed humans, the galaxy, uh, based oh. on the number of Earth likes and things like that? Right. So there's a, a link to all the maths he's done. Quite a lot of war actually involved in that. Um, is it possible he's to... Gone in... Well, basically, is there enough food-producing planets in the bubble to feed oh, I see. the human oh, population? Smart. Yeah, okay, interesting. Um, I kind of feel like that's a bit unknowable, really. Well, he worked out, he worked out how many Earth-likes there are and, and assumed there are certain water worlds that have fish in them. Yeah. And then worked out... So... He, so We'll put the thread, the uh, thread in the in the patch notes. But basically, um, he he's got a figure of how many people there are in the galaxy, which is some tele- long telephone number. And based on twenty nine feet twenty nine feet figures, he's worked out how many square kilometers of arable land you need to feed each person, and then found out using EDDB how many Earth likes a surface there is within the bubble. And then worked out their size, and then just kind of did the maths from there. Smart. So there were a couple of minor errors in his. What do we? um, Does he think that the the bubble could support its inhabitants? Uh, Yes, he could. Lots of times over. Um, One of the one of the errors that got introduced was. Uh, he got the number of Earthlights and water worlds in the bubble um, Wrong. incorrect Wrong. because he didn't. He only did it within 37 light years of Sol. But of course, the, the bubble's bigger than that. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Know, read, read the thread. But it's, it's really interesting, actually, and that probably explains why there aren't that many famine systems now in the game to get your pharmaceutical isolators from. <laughs> I, I, I'm just glancing through the figures myself now. It means we need approximately 75 Earths to feed the bubble. And at the moment, he's he's counted up 37 within uh, 50 Earth likes within 37 years of Sol plus 21 water worlds. So even within 37 light years of Sol, we've got enough food to, to feed the bubble. Near enough. And of course, the bubble's almost is two hundred light years plus across. So, um, is it's that, not surprising with Star Wars more? Approximately, 
it's not unreasonable to assume that in a thousand years' time we'll have become much more efficient at, um, at growing food on Earth with things like genetically modified. Who says we're, who says we're growing food? You know, we can also just grow you know, grow meat in a lab, for example. Well, I just had a genius. Food. I just had a genius idea how you can actually increase the number of food from water worlds. What you do is just you just produce a gazillion pot noodles and then deposit the content <laughs> of pot noodles in the water world, and you know there you go. Shan, you're making a food. terrible error there. Synthetic food from uh, high tech planets, anyway. It is yes, but Shan, you're making a bad assumption there. Do pot noodles actually count as food? Yes, delicious, delicious food. Oh, we're not. We're not, question. we're not going into a pot noodle debate. <laughs> no, we're not going into a pot noodle debate. My stomach is, I'm, and I'm banned from them anyway. How are you banned from them? Uh, too high salt. Ah, I, I would kill him instantly. He had a pot noodle. <laughs> pot noodle to death. Thanks, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> so next year at LaveCon, everyone bring a pot noodle. <laughs> I have to actually um, at. Tesco's and various other places, uh, one of the guys at work got something called a shin noodle, which is in the in the foreign food section. Mm-hmm. And I wound up trying one of them, and they're very nice, actually. And they've got things that actually look like recognisable vegetables. And they've got a good bit of kick to them. Um, apparently, Commander Lenin asks, what about McThargoids? Um, <laughs> I think the less said about any Docker-related <clears throat> stuff is is better. <laughs> anyway, the, the link will be up in the show notes. And yeah, credit to, uh, to Fantian for doing all the math and the research, because it's quite a, quite a thought-provoking bit of uh, research here. So I enjoyed it. Anyway, it's my sort of poster. Yeah, so uh, I'd be interested to know if there's any actual part of the galaxy gen that that balances that sort of thing, populations against yeah, I would as well. food supply and stuff. I wouldn't be at all surprised given they do it for the composition of planets and atmospheres. It, there probably is maths around it. Um, I mean, there's the, the game knows to place. Um, agricultural economy um, stations around Earth-like worlds. Um, there probably is, like, I imagine that sort of um, cropping potential of a planet might be a, partly a function of population size. I, I bet that I bet there is math behind that. What would be interesting as to is whether that has a bearing on um, likelihood of famine state and or not. Yeah, I mean, does it affect the the background simulation? The fact that Basically, we we can feed the bubble quite easily. I don't know. But the, just... biggest, but the biggest upside is is there now won't be any reason for anyone to ever make a charity single about feeding the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a loss. Well, well, I don't know. Just because the food is available doesn't mean it's at the right place, does it? I mean, that's the exact situation we have on Earth. Yeah, There's a lot of food, of food to feed yeah. everybody. It's just not in the right place. Yeah. Can I actually, raising a, a serious point for a second, actually, in the thread, Commander Schlow123 is raising a very good point that famine has actually very little to do with how much food is produced. Research has shown, I apologise for not remembering actual sources, 
that during the past famines after World War II, food production actually increased in the affected regions. That may or may not have been because of some of the help. However, the distribution of, the, of food totally did not work. All this was due to in, insufficient or damaged infrastructure and or corruption. Yeah, makes sense. Which is, I think, exactly the kind of thing Kogel was insinuating. Yeah, yeah it's like space Brexit, basically. <laughs> That'd be a shot if that was from Sham. <laughs> I, I, are you saying it will still be sorting out in 3305? Oh, God, definitely. Yes. definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The United yeah, Federation we're, we're of not... Planets will take the whole of the world into um, into it, except it, England, which will still be dealing with Brexit. <laughs> we'll still be working out our divorce agreement. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like the way you say England. That's that's. Well, well, Scotland exactly. Scotland are going to be off, and not, and Ireland's going to, you know, uh, United. We'll like, see you, Jimmy. We're we'll like, fuck oh, well, we'll hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Wales voted in so therefore i think that the new the name of the new country should be wangland <laughs> wangland <laughs> yeah I, i'm on board you said it Colin, not me <laughs> yeah. see if this had been last week we would have had a brilliant segue into hotasses and joyce <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh, let's get off the modern politics and on to the yeah, uh, the other goings on no no it, it was a good diversion but Yes. Anyway, yeah, we um, we're also uh, like to um, we we delayed a couple of questions from last week's show because we got um, everybody got really excited about their hotasses. Um, but one of the th- things we ask, well, we've asked two community questions over the last uh, few weeks, and uh, we've had some in-depth responses uh one of them was uh the grind question which we we asked what do you did you think the elite dangerous could do to reduce the grind and we got an essay from ryan p bodfist <laughs> i think that's fair to say um so he's he's got he's got two major points to make um in terms of grinds Grind, he'd like to break it down into two categories um, wild goose chases that make no sense and repetitive game loops that have no variation in challenge. Um, so, who would like to, to take off on the wild goose chases? Um, that, that mirrors something that I have thought about as well. There's, um, I think, uh, I feel like that, that point is a, expressed in a different way. It's the point of um, <clears throat> unreliable returns. So usually with video games, it's okay if if you want to achieve that thing, you have to do uh, these are the steps to to get it, and it's quite deterministic. And you you go and you 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 do your raid or whatever or your or your mission, and then you get the thing. Elite Dangerous has historically relied on a lot of. Um, I'm, I'm assured by a statistician a statistician that it's not actually. RNG, but it is for a layman. It looks close enough that it might as well be RNG, um, and um, and it means that if you do the thing that you've been assured is the way to get the thing, you don't always get the thing. Which in real life is, is probably quite realistic. You don't know that you'll always, you know, if you if you if you um, if you've been assured that um, pharmaceutical is- isolators are always drop in these kind of systems, there's no guarantee that you'll find one there. Um, but in a game, from a game based perspective, it's incredibly irritating because you feel like so 
So it's a bit like dating, I guess, where you want the thing, but you and you look for the thing, but you never actually always get the thing, and then you have to leave the thing because you give up. Well, one of his actual <laughs> examples is like when you're looking for a material trader, and like that is, I mean, I totally agree with his point on that. When you're looking for a material trader, you already have to go to wherever they are in the galaxy. Having to not know where any of them are seems really dumb. Yeah, it's and 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 like they're tradespeople, right? Why are they not advertising their services? Why do you have to hunt them down and discover them? Surely they want to make money, right? Or resources? I don't feel like. I feel like that's a. I feel like that's an oversight rather than a design decision, though, because it's inconsistent with lots of other aspects. So it, you can filter for nearly everything in the in the galaxy map. I feel you like, can filter for them. You just won't see them until you've discovered them for the first time. Yeah, that's yeah, you've true. You've got yeah. to be within a certain range, haven't you? It's, no, you've got to have used them before, I believe. You've got and, to have used them, and then you can and, build for them. And be within a certain range as well, I think. Oh, how annoying. Um, um, it's a bit of an artificial thing, though, really, isn't it? Because, yes, totally. you've got the, the in-game thing as a wife, you know, they're a trader, why wouldn't they advertise? But it's kind of a moot point, because you just go to Inara or one of the other sites and just look them up. And yeah, seems a bit of an artificial. But like that, uh, that again is we're going to an external third-party resource to fill a hole that yeah. really shouldn't be a hole in the game. Yeah, like, right. Just to yeah, play devil's ad- advocate here, I mean, I actually agree with your points. the 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 original argument against this was it was supposed to force you to draw to explore the bubble more. But the, the it's kind of like a carrot to explore it, the it, it certainly forces me to hit an arrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's logically inconsistent because the game allows you to, you know, according to the same logic, they could stop you filtering for empire systems or stop you filtering for agricultural systems and make you just go in and and find them on your own. It, it it doesn't. That's internally massively inconsistent. If you if you're allowed to filter for um, commodity or or material traders wherever they are and wherever and whether you'd visited them or not, that would be consistent with how you can find every other type of um, facility in the game, um, and um, or every you know every other sort of useful service like an economy type or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and it's it sort of it doesn't add anything not being able to to do that. It just adds frustration. I mean, I can't yeah. think of the 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 gameplay that I've had from it where I've thought that added to my experience looking mm-hmm. for a material trader. Yeah, I can. I can remember a lot of time when it times when it was a complete pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, um, there, there's obviously two solutions that he's offered here. Um, simply make them more visible on the galaxy map. Uh, still got to travel to them all. But the other one seems to be more interesting. If you really insist on making some gameplay out of finding them, then make the information a commodity that can be gained from factions, etc. Mm. Give them a way of finding out where these guys are, either by using you know the local Galnet news on the space stations or or something like that. That's a good idea. Maybe you rep up with a faction and they're like, oh, now you've got to uh, you know rep level three. We'll tell you about our shady mate around the corner. Yeah, that could I mean, be I, I, I like that. Yeah, that's way more interesting than is there one in this system? <laughs> How about yeah. this one? Yeah, that, that, that's the much that's a much smarter way of doing it, definitely. Yeah, I mean, on the subject of Inara, this one really covers the the uh, the second point he's put in about uh, 
uh, <laughs> about the wild goose chases. Um, I mean, in order to find decent equipment, um, you've got to fly around and duck at each station to find out what they're selling. Um, I think, yeah, I, I completely agree with them. It's it's not believable. It's not fun. Everyone goes straight to the third-party tools to find out where will they get that A-rated shift uh, frame shift drive. Yeah, it just it just feels like adds nothing. I still don't know why the game work. doesn't let you either mail order a part. Like I'm going to log out now. I'll order my beam laser from Earth and have it delivered overnight. Or we're not selling that part at the moment, but the nearest station with it is, and then it gives you a waypoint. Because that's just, l- that's UI work and stuff like that. And also the the finding of modules is a all part of the BGS because your what station sells what changes depending on the in theory that's the right. The but just everybody hits EDDB or. You know, EDIO and goes, Oh, look, that's the station selling all the bits that I want. Yeah, or everyone just goes to Shinrata. But but then again, you see, having everything available in one place, like Shinrata, is one of the perks of having an elite rank. So I'm I'm fine with that, to be honest. Yes, it could be a lot more complicated and a lot more in depth, but I think the same could be said of almost every system in the game. Even with okay, access okay. to Shinra, I'd end up like finding a station with a bigger discount that sells all the parts I need. Right, Ben, jump in now. <laughs> why don't we try and, you know, just wondering why can't we get an equivalent of Space Amazon who maybe charge you a fixed price, well, charge you the market rate plus several million dollars um, delivery fee? But then it gets delivered to your location or the location that you specify that you're going to be at. And well, no, I, th- I think it'd probably be. I mean, I know what you're saying, Ben, but surely if it's the same lock as transferring about, live you're, you're roboting there, Colin. Yeah. But you know, why can't you have, say, Amazon who operate out of Shadas and Desra? Therefore, they have access to everything. And they'll go and deliver your your brand new class five A power gen or whatever to Hutton Orbital for a mere ten million credits. I've got to say, I don't think I agree with that because, no. like one one thing I don't mind and have never resented is the is the process of planning when you're going to equip a ship and find and and looking where the best prices are and look and. Yeah, okay, using third-party sites like Anara and, and EDDB to work out where's the best place to buy a power plant or whatever. But then the act of flying there gives the gives the galaxy a sense of geography. Like in in the same mm-hmm. way that you know that a certain a certain street in a city or a certain town is, has a particular specialization in building a certain thing. Or, you know, um, you can make generalizations by sort of country as well. Um, in the same way that um, I think the elite I think elite the, the game space is is made more immersive and interesting by giving it a sense of regional geography. Oh, that's the that's the territory to go to if you want to buy guns. That's the territory to go to if you want to smuggle. I feel like ordering ordering whatever you wanted to your home station would just it would make the game it would make this the play space feel smaller and less and the bits of it less distinctive. But you you would but it would give you you'd be able to get the things you need, but and if you wanted the bargains and potentially even the specialized things, 
then you'd still have to go out looking and well, looking on EDB, EDDB forum. Mm, no, um, I, I still don't. I, I feel like the convenience, like, yeah, you're right, you'd be paying a slight premium because you'd be ordering them rather than going to the, set, the site of the discount. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the 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 diminution of the game of the play space would would more than erode that benefit. That, that well, might just be me. Technically, at the moment, you can actually do what what Ben is suggesting, just a little bit round the houses. For instance, if you go to Shinrata Desra and buy everything and fill up your, your modules, you can then just fly anywhere over the galaxy and then order your modules to be transferred to you, and you just can re-equip your ship depending on how you want it. Yeah, That's one of the advantages of being at Shinrata Desra, isn't it? But yeah. Uh, you still got to buy all the stuff. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I, I, I feel like the, the shopping list of things that um, of welcome additions to Elite is long enough without that. That seems very minor to me. <laughs> I think the the post from Ryan. I mean, it must have taken them quite a while to write it. But I think we'll put that in the post and the show notes actually, because we could devote a show. I think to responding to the post because it's. Quite detailed, isn't it? Really great post. Yeah, very good. Thank you, Ryan. We we appreciate a lot. Yeah. And certainly you know, I mean, the length the is other, great as well. The other two pieces of information that uh, he says as far as the wild goose chases were good turns was the searching for materials, which I think we've all gone over incredible uh, in in a vast amount of detail in, in previous shows. Uh but the other thing was only being able to pin one engineer blueprint. Yeah, that's irritating. That is very irritating. It's one per engineer, right? Yes. It's not just one blueprint, yeah. It gets less annoying when you get Back all in the my day, unlocked. Back in my day, we didn't used to have any pinned engineers. You had to visit them. <laughs> well, there wasn't engineering back in our day. Well, and that was a good thing. <laughs> I tend to agree. I don't think uh, overall it's, it's helped. I think there is one thing, one facet of engineering that is not widely understood. I don't think it is anyway. And if it was more so, I think people would be more forgiving of engineering. And that is that the um, there is there is no good reason to engineer anything uh, to maximum grade five. The um, the way that engineering works proportionally is that you get um, it's twenty percent. Um, it's generally about twenty percent increase on base per per tier i believe um and um but nearly all of that is in the first um is in the first couple of roles um with um and the, and because it's uh because because the um you know you generally need uh a unit of tier one for for uh, sorry grade one uh, grade one for um tier one and and grade four for tier four for example when you get to tier five doing more than one max two rolls at grade five might give you an extra two or three percent performance but you're using but you're using you know five or six or seven or eight units um you know units of a grade five material that's incredibly time consuming to get um i think if if the percentages if the percent if the potential percentage gain um gain for each role was more uh sort of more do i I want a two yeah. percent increase for four hours of boredom. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Do 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 I want a two percent increase, or you know, a fraction of a percent increase in the cooling potential of this gun for 
four hours worth of hunting for pharmaceutical isolators, for example. You know, people wouldn't make that decision if it was more clearly signposted, but they do because I don't think everyone's aware that that's the trade-off. Anyone still around? <laughs> oh, yes, it's still around. It all depends on, on whether or not this damn thing's roboting. I got. Um, <laughs> no, you're fine. Yeah. I mean, moving on to his other point, I mean, the repetitive game loops. Um, yeah, the, he, he covers stuff um, about missions, always having to pl- replay the same kind of missions. Um, so I, I don't agree with this one as much, mm-hmm. but more because the game's quite broad, isn't it? And I, we, when I first started, we used to mix up. So like we'd do some trading, but we'd also do some exploration en route, and maybe we'd do some rare goods at the same time. And mixing up a bunch of jobs makes it feel much less like I'm doing 70 passenger runs in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's like key. You have to, But you have to kind of discipline yourself for that, don't you? you Just do. don't do the same thing 70 times in a row. It's as easy as that. Do yeah. something else and mix up your gameplay, um, but it, it you can't get stuck in a loop, can't you? The only way I know of getting this engineering material is method A, and it's really wrong. And maybe you can't find the right resource to make that more efficient or more fun. And so you just do that for fifty hours and then hate it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot of sympathy for his description, but I don't think it's. Like education could get you out of that hole, couldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I would say in this case, it's, it's something I've always had a go at some of the detractors because they um, people missed uh, in, the, in the earlier versions of Elite, you didn't have the same level of uh, variety that you do with the scenarios and things like that. What you had to do was be adventurous and drop into uh, the unidentified signal sources. And I found you were missing half the content of the game because you didn't do that. Especially if you're just going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards on trade runs, that would burn you out incredibly quickly. Hmm. So, I mean, we've got to we've got we've got to thank um, uh, Ryan P. Bodfist for for this fantastic uh, list of uh, of problems and solutions um what we'll do is as, as we said Bishan, we'll put as shan said we'll put these in the show notes for everybody to peruse um and and give him a salute the other question we had was about the fleet carriers um however we did have commander aid mason uh, get in contact us with us at the moment and he said uh, he asked us uh, do you guys think that fleet carriers should be given free to lifetime expansion holders like himself and i assume all of you uh, so, quick show, quick show of, or quick grunt of voices, if you want. Who's actually got the the lifetime expansion pass? Me. Me. Ah. So That's most, most of us. Of us most of us. Got... Yep. All right. So we've all got them. Right. Nerds. In <laughs> my my view is what is no, they shouldn't give them to lifetime pass. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Agree. Yeah, I totally. Agree. Um, because it, it's almost like pay to win in a way, or pay to have extra facilities, and whatever the cost of that frontier, thinking of double it. But for but like you're only saying that, because you're going off mining void opals left, right, and centre with all your accounts, and yeah, probably getting your children to do it too. No, that was years ago in, in other <laughs> games. But um, no, I, I just. 
the issue, the thing is though, that fleet carriers are going to be, whether we like it or not, seen as a prestige item to have in game. Mm-hmm. And if they're too easily accessible, then they I lose the value. <laughs> Yeah. Whereas I believe totally the opposite. I think give one to everyone. <laughs> I think really? all, that de- all that development You're time... just a commie, aren't you, really, is what it is? No, well, I am totally, but totally separate of that. All that development time wasted on, like, maybe 1% of commanders. Whereas I think what it brings to you, like, forget the prestige and stuff, it actually opens the game up, doesn't it? You Does can it? now move... Well, yeah, you'll be able to move your fleet around of all your ships. You'll be able to use that as a home base. It doesn't really... There's nothing you can't do, really, with one that you couldn't do without one. So it's just a convenience item, isn't it? It's like... Well, yeah, that, that does sort of... I mean, if it was something like the SRV, for example... Um, that is a that was deliberately priced very very cheap so that um uh, so that everybody could could launch into this great new sphere of gameplay very quickly and that's, and it, they designed it so that even a sidewinder could fit an SRV um that i think is the right way to do it giving one free i mean there's there's a massive spectrum between between automatically credit one to everybody's account and, oh, and make it so, and make it so that only the top one percent of commanders can own it. I like didn't mean seriously give everyone one for free. I meant make it affordable. You know, make it something yeah, okay. that, yeah, that yeah. everyone reasonably with a reasonable amount of playtime will be able to afford to have one. Yeah, because okay. otherwise it's just deeping. Yeah, yeah. Shan. Um. Well, I was going to say that's about my comment on them, really, is I, I don't think it's wasted assets at all, because as long as they are available to everyone, and then I don't have a problem with it. If you had to, I don't know, buy a million arcs to get one, then I'd have an issue with it. But if they're just available to the everyone, and Elite isn't a race. There's no time limit for it. So if it takes you... 30 seconds to get one, or it takes you 30 weeks to get one, you can get one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, he's saying from his point of view, in addition, um, that fleet carriers are almost a cosmetic, which I thought was, because I thought they were going to be far more functional than just a, a, a show-off item. Um he then says it will be only for elite players, which I guess is going to be true because you're going to be at least trade elite if you can afford one. Um, and he, he just says he, he, he's got trouble seeing after releasing something that only a small percentage of the players can have access to. Um, so giving one free to a lep holder won't be a game breaker, but it could give them a nod and thanks for the support. Yeah, um, I can see a little bit of this point because, again, um, the Lifetime Expansion Pass people aren't getting anything this year. But then again, they are getting something massive next year. Um, I, I think I think I'm, I'm coming down on the side of everybody else and saying, no, they shouldn't be free to, to let holders. But... Um, it's like the alpha players. We've we've got ninety eight percent rebuy, and I'm finding out in my alter account that that ninety eight percent actually makes quite a difference when it comes to uh, 
uh, losing your ship. I think Ben's going to pop. Okay, Ben. I, I'm just thinking, you know, about Sham saying, you know, everyone can afford one. That's almost like saying everyone can afford a castle if they happen to be a billionaire. So I think no. Shan, I think Shan is disqualified from any comment about the value of credits and Elite Dangerous. <laughs> I mean, like, with, with respect, my... Shan, like your your opinion, like <laughs> like you're, you're just you are the point zero zero out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. My sort of opinion with regards to like credit, like wasn't getting Elite Trader the benchmark for having excelled at trade. Like, mm. is it mm. really much of a you know, uh, a badge of honor to have a, a giant fight. I, I think I'd rather have them push a lot. And I don't think this is fair either, but I think I'd rather see the elite trade requirement push up than the fleet carrier be horrifically expensed. If well, being it, the means of money. Yeah. Cause I'm, if I'm right in thinking they've increased the values for exploration elite. That used to be a hundred million. Now it's 300 million. Yeah. Um, I think the number of ships and bounties you need to blow up, I think that's the same as it was. But Treasury has been a billion for ages. So I, I wouldn't even mind if it pushed me back under being elite in trade. It'd make me do some again. <laughs> what you're seeing that, unless you know, if you it was a moving a bar. credits in the bank, you. Oh, no, no, no. No, so as long as you've earned lifetime past the point it's currently at. So if I've only ever earned 5 billion credits and I push it to 6, well, I've got to make another billion credits on my income to get my elite status back. Um, And it would just be a slow-moving target, wouldn't it? But I don't think that's a viable change. It was just a fleeting fancy. Uh, Apparently, Commander Witherspoon has said that um, lifetime expansion pack players, otherwise known as lepers, should always wear a bell. (laughs) (laughs) It'd get too noisy in the Sidewinder, though. I'm just going to jump in. Um, There's two... The problem with this line of reasoning is um, there's two problems with it, really. One, we d- fleet carriers are a massive unknown. We don't know how functional they'll be. We don't know what their um, we don't know what their how many features they'll add, how much sort of gameplay they'll add. It, it, you know, if they are just a cosmetic, as um, I can't remember the chap's name, but as uh, the um, the commenter said, then um, then there is an argument to be to to be made for um, making sure that they remain like a a real vanity thing for um, for high, you know for people who have achieved everything in the game and to keep them out of reach. If they are a massive enabler for whole new spheres of content like the SRV, then absolutely not. They need to be they need to be achievable within a, a you know a reasonable number of hours in game. Um, we don't we we can't really say what the what the whether fleet carriers should be treated as a as a bauble for the rich or an or an enabler for most players until we know much more about the fleet carriers. Um, the second point is that the early, I think the the idea of giving them as 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 nods or freebies or little tokens to the the LEP holders misses the point of the LEP. Frontier never said we will. Re- Actually, no, you guys might be able to um, might be able to correct me on this. But as far as I'm aware, Frontier have never said um, you'll have. Uh, you'll have access to you'll have you know have every update free, and there will be one every year. I don't I don't think Frontier have ever gave us promises about how often we'd get um, we'd get paid content for free. 
um, they just said every expansion. And um, and we have got every expansion free. And it's 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 a nonsense to get angry that other people have got something for free that you have also got for free. Um, all that we are entitled to as LEP holders is every pay every expansion free. That is it, beginning and end. There's no need to give us anything um, apart from that. And um, uh, and regardless of which permutation of fleet carrier we get, you know, very functional enabler of new content versus um, expensive bauble. It's kind of against the spirit of the game to give us either. You should, you know, you shouldn't give us anything that gives an advantage. And it's and you know why why take the why take the thrill of high achievement in elite out of out of it by giving away the, the top prize, as it were. Right. Well, um, I think that this is a subject that we will probably come back to again and again as far as fleet carriers are concerned. Um, so what we're going to do is we will take a short break and then we'll come back with the uh, main discussion of what's happening tomorrow. On the far side of the bubble. On the dark side of an airless moon. On the slightly more interesting side of a ravine, there lived the Engineer. The Engineer can make your lasers more powerful. Your engines speedier. And your gas tank really, really big. What do you want? I want fish. Wait, what? That's right, fish! Carp, char, chub, jack, loach, crabby, muckabate, prickleback, sole, snook, snake, tang, wapu, wapagom, banjo, banga, snook, sole, shad, scat, come on by with the long nose cat. Noodlefish, nibblefish, northern squaw, huma, huma, nuka, nuka, wapa, wapa. What about Swedish fish? Why the hell not? Thanks, mister. You're in the wrong commercial. Well, shit. Fish, because, you know, space. Lave Radio, transmitting to every corner of the galaxy. Important message from Code. Are you the kind of commander that likes drowning kittens? You are a pirate. Do you leave the toilet seat up after every piss? You are a pirate. Do you drive a Ferdinand's and refuse to use your indicators? You are a pirate. Do you have an eye patch? On both eyes, you are a pirate. We're the code and we're recruiting for your sort. Help ruin someone's afternoon and join the code. Yar. Yar, har, Being a pirate is a red to be. Do what you want because a pirate is free. You are a pirate. And welcome back. Now, of course, the, the big news this week and our main discussion... Uh, for this evening is, of course, the September update, which is happening later um, tomorrow, effectively. Um, so we were quite surprised because they've gone and published the patch notes uh, already. And now, before um, we go into the main um, features of this, I mean, has anybody looked through the bug fixes? And, and I have, yes. Yeah, and, and seen some of the things that you're relieved to see there? Yeah, I mean, there's some quite nice little fixes in there. Minor things, I would say, um, and potentially 
very good things in there. Um, the, the minor things I picked up is I don't know if you ever target your own ship when you're in the SRV and it like, flies off. Yeah, uh, they fixed they fixed the display so you actually get your pilots federation rank shown. Oh, sweet. So no longer harmless when when that flies off. Um, one thing that is useful, and I know I've been caught out of it before, is um, when you give your fighter an order. Um, there's a cooldown between orders, so you can't like overwrite one when they don't immediately mm-hmm. respond. So that's a cool one. The other one I thought was potentially quite interesting is they've increased the spawn rate for high-grade emissions. Now, whether that means we will stand better chances of getting, you know, the pharmaceutical isolators and whatnot, I don't know. But anything that gives us. It is, but it depends on the contents of them because, you know, you can, there's high-grade emissions that are useful and there's high-grade emissions that you might as well not bother turning up in. That's true, yeah. I mean, my, whenever I had this conversation with my friend, he says, well, you can trade them. You know, get get whatever high-grade you, emission you can and then trade them, but there's a six-to-one uh, loss rate, isn't there? Um, it, um, it It is noticeable that this is the second patch possibly in a row or within six months maybe that um where they've raised the drop rate for um hgs mm. i mean i personally from my point of view i did like the fact that they're increasing the spawn rate for non-human signal sources so that that means when i'm going bug hunting i'm going to, it's going to be easier for me to t- to find the the right level of bug that i can handle yeah that's that, that's good they've clearly sort of noted that um players are chomping through thargoids quicker than they can provide them yeah, um, I mean, and obviously, just as a side note, um, nothing new on the um, the Thargoid gameplay at all. And some people have been complaining about the lack of stations burning missions. Well, would they actually tell us, though, if they had done it? Because traditionally, they haven't. They usually put things like mysterious things added yeah. and left us to find it out. So would they actually? Yeah, I mean... No, it's just a general comment on the fact that you know the the Thargoid, um, the Thargoid game loop seems to have come to an end for the moment, and some people on the forums are, are say they're missing it. But um, I did notice there was a, a couple of additional things that about the uh, about the super cruise. Uh, the Super Cruise Assist module. Um, they've added a new module to the Flight Assist tab to allow the Super Cruise Assist to control the throttle automatically. Uh, and a Super Cruise Safety Disengage message has been updated to include the binding that will in- disengage. Oh, cool. uh, I, I guess. But that's that still not a toggle button, is it, for Super Cruise Assist? No, it's not. Mm. It does really need a toggle. Then again, I suppose you could you, you could sort of say the same about the you could say the same about docking, couldn't you? Docking computer. Uh, sorry, requesting docking. It's one of those things that we don't really resent, even though it's even though it is needless busy work. So I guess everyone's waiting now, Colin, for the the main event. Right. Well, let us let us start at the very beginning because it's a very good place to start. Um, the new starter experience. 
Now, they say that they have added a curated experience for new players that will guide them to the basics of ship control, combat, travel, and docking. Uh, this was demonstrated by um, Adam Woods in a very uh, naval outfit, we thought, uh, during the... Uh, oh, come on, he looked like the matey oh, bubble bath. It was able Seaman Woods. That's what he was. No, not... Not going to go there. Uh, <laughs> we're waiting for the Captain Pugwash jokes. We will move on. Um, the experience has localized voiceover in uh, supported language. There are certain UI elements which are highlighted at key points during what they call the flow. So they're calling this, the, the, the mission's called a flow. Um, players are given this mission's once uh, mission once the flow has been complete. That introduces them to the mission board, and that will take them to the very start of the newbie experience that was introduced in the last patch. Um, this experience has been added to the training simulators list uh, from the internal cockpit pa panel, so that everybody can have a go at it. Uh, and they've also updated the throttle UI, so to, to give an indication of which direction the the player is actually flying, um, which I thought was actually quite nice. And they've also switched off the pre-flight checklist. So for those of you who saw the uh, the walkthrough that Adam did, what were your impressions? I quite like, I mean, the as a new player, it's it's hard to judge it because you you've got years of experience or you've got experience in the game which has kind of coloured your view of the starting experience. But some of the stuff I've added, like adding the stuff to the training simulator, we often talk about providing a cardboard box for the player base to, to play with. Uh, and so particularly I think it's the, the obstacle course, you know, where you fly through the, the checkpoints and things like that. I can see that if that's available through uh, the simulator, I can see that being something that's used as a competition, particularly sort of like a variation of the elite races. So I can see that being potentially useful. Uh, Chevrons, yes, that's very useful. Um, need to try that out. Is is it the direction of thrust or the direction of travel? Because if you're flight, the direction, if you're flight, direction of thrust. And uh, Ben would like to jump in before he, he talk before we carry on with that because I think he's having a heart attack. Oh, I was falling asleep on the dot. <laughs> ben, 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 you sorry, can't... Uh, muted there. You're saying this is added <laughs> to the cardboard box. Cardboard box. After, not... after all that, you were I know, muted. I know. Uh, it's not adding to the cardboard box. It's taken away from the cardboard box because you've got to leave the bloody game to play it. Yeah. You know, why are we having these things in a training simulator? Don't give it in a bloody training simulator. Let me go to a system and fly around the damn things. Yeah, agree. Or or, or copy and paste them into the game for some reason. Have like have a system. Have them in loads of places. All yeah, the places. Yeah, 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 ha yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, ha have have one in Shinrata Desra, for example, or have one in um have have one in every hundred light years or so in, in as as like. Pilot training systems or whatever. Just, Hell, just, even just for... even if you've got you've got an installation, we can now add checkpoints to your installation, and the Buckingham Racing Club are there. Yeah. To be yeah. fair, um, Frontier did add the CQC assets to the game with no gameplay attached to them after a year or two, saying that they might they might muck around with them later, and then they did yeah. do that. So so Frontier may well do that in future. 
Yeah, Adam dies. Oh, I know, I know, Ben. I completely agree. It all depends on how much development work it is to put that stuff in. Which I'm not defending them here. It's just I don't know. I might be wrong, but I can't see how it can be a lot of development work to add in for someone to go in. Yeah, yeah. Agree. Yeah, I, mean, I I put that exact thing in the forums. I think the day after the 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 thing came, uh, the thing was demonstrated, it got quite a lot of um, likes and traction yeah. on that. So, I, I think a lot of people. I know, I know that Alec Turner, him of Buckyballs, <laughs> um, have decided that they're going to set up a leaderboard for to see who can actually do that training course the fastest. Um, I think there's a problem there because from what Adam was saying, some of the uh, the ship controls are disabled until you get to a per- certain part of the course, which yeah. will, of course, restrict you. Um, Kurgil, do you want to just jump in? Uh, yeah, just, I mean, I really like the idea of the improved tutorials. Um, I think that's all great, especially onboarding new players. It's going to make pe- more people stick around. But mm-hmm. I'm still amazed that both CQC and that new player experience is not a thing that I can do from a station menu. Um, I, I'd much rather be able to go into flight training from a station in-game or queue up for a CQC match from a station in-game. I would actually say I would prefer them to add it into the station as well as keeping it in the ship because there will be people out in out, out in the black other side of the galaxy who want to try this out but we'd have to travel all the way back and that is the main reason why those pieces those particular be- bits are in that side menu yeah. i really agree i would love to have oh, yeah, I mean, available from the from the um, yeah it'd be really good i'd love it in a ship menu even more don't get me wrong but you know baby steps <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, I, I completely agree. I would love to be able to access, have an extra um, part of the uh, the the station menu where you could access that kind of stuff. A bit like Galnet can be accessed from that. That's originally the only place where you could access Galnet until they moved it into your ship. So, yeah. It's one of those things where you sort of think, that's pretty obvious, why don't you do it? But, again... Going back to Chevrons quickly before we think oh, about yes. Ch- my, 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 my question was, is is the Chevrons dependent on your throttle position or your direction of travel? Because if you are using flight assist off, it's possible for your direction of travel to be opposite to what you're throttling. It's your throttle position. You, throttle you can position. see it from their video. Yeah. You know the bar you have in your speeder to the right when you're going forwards or backwards? It's just either pointing up or it's pointing down, depending on which direction the throttles go. So that, that well, stepped bar becomes an arrow. That's the yeah, arrow. it says it shows the player's current direction of travel, not throttle position in the match mode. Right, Sham, you know, so when you go and set your throttle, right, that goes off and says, I'm putting my throttle at 50%, but it takes some time for my ship to accelerate up to that 50%. It's the speed or your your velocity of the direction you're going as it increases up to wherever your throttle is. If that makes any sense whatsoever. Uh, well, the throttle actually works differently uh, in in flight assist off. I've found 
Normally, yep. that in order to keep going in the same direction the way I want to, is I have to switch the engines off. Uh, so basically, throttle down so that I don't have anything um, on the throttle at all. Because otherwise, as soon as you change um, uh, change your pitch, the throttle of course, if if you've got the throttle open, you start actually vectoring mm. in a different direction. So if you want to do a strafing pass and not head in towards your target, what you do is, of course, you you basically, well, in this case, boost, pull your engine throttle back to zero, and then turn so that you know you've you've got a straight line past your target rather than um, slightly well drifting in close. So it is in the it's, it it is dependent on the the throttle. Um, setting, not yeah. actually your direction. I would wager so what it's going to be is going to be exactly like our when you throttle at the moment you'll see an orange bar going up and down and that you've got your, your bar indicating your throttle position and then you've got your bar indicating where you actually are and it's just that thing indicating it's, where you actually are that's the chevron the, bit The orange bar we get now it just has a point on either the top or the bottom. That's literally the only change. You can see yeah. it in their video. And that obviously does exactly the same in, um, in Flight Assist off as well. You just you, you accelerate up and you just keep yourself on. Even on half throttle, you go faster and faster and faster past your acceleration point because you're an FA off. So even if your throttle's only at 50%, you can actually accelerate off to max speed, can't you? Yeah, uh, Stephen Usher, uh, of him who started the Thargoid War fame, um, <laughs> has, has asked, what do people think about the ability to change delivery in the black? Great I can change. see how it'd be yeah. useful. No, I think it's rubbish change. It's a great it's, change. It's nothing, it's it's nothing funnier. It's, it's nothing funnier than seeing a live stream of someone who's been exploring for a while and what Christmas lights up in July because they haven't been able to get back to change them. <laughs> It's One a, of my friends went to Sagittarius A and they'd put a library on their ship, the Pulse library, when they first came out. And like three months into his voyage, he's just like, I'm going to have to self-destruct. I can't live with this library anymore. <laughs> because it's just blinding in the darkness of space. It's horrific. <laughs> and well, he did. He ended up self But like, like that could have saved him. You know, he would have killed for that feature. Yeah, well, in that case, we will move on. I mean, first of all, everybody... I, th- I think it, we're all in agreement that this kind of thing, this this kind of tutorial has been missing for a while, and the fact it's in is is quite good for new players, not just for. It's not something that will interest the veterans, I suppose. Although, well, admittedly, if people are doing the time trial of the around the station, that that could be interesting, I suppose. More players. Uh, it's easy to be short-sighted and be like, oh, just more stuff for new players. But the last thing we want is the is the game's population, like player population, to drop. Um, and the more you know, the the more new players stick with the game, the the better it'll be for all of us. Okay, Ben. Now, you say you don't think it'll be of interest, veterans. But let's have another show of hands. Does anyone else apart from me think, hell yes, I'm going to try out the new stuff in the tutorials? Oh yeah, yeah I'm going to try it out. No, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> so that's one person not. No, I don't think I will. I mean, if you can 
replay the missions from your your menu, like the racing yeah. through the um, thing or attacking the yeah, negative. So you can do it through the tutorial that's... stuff. So yeah, I'd do it through the tutorials, but I wouldn't ever reset my save to do I'm it. not resetting my save, but I'll oh, do it through no, the tutorials. No, no. no, we're not asking you to reset your save, Shan, but I'm going to say the, the economy of half yeah. the systems in, in the bubble <laughs> would collapse. <laughs> Think of all the pilots that would be out of a job. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually sorry. Just talking about the new 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 things. It's actually something that worries me slightly. Is you know how we said they're saying that they've turned off the checklist uh, mm-hmm. by default, even though you can turn it on. I'm wondering if you're a brand new player, you've just bought Elite, you've plugged in your joystick or your gamepad or whatever. Yeah. Are you now not going to get the please make sure you can pitch up, pitch down? No, you get that as part of the tutorial. Yeah, I think it will be telling you now. We're going to like launch from the station. You're going to use this button to engage, disengage from the station. Mm-hmm. In fact, actually, it, they haven't showed that off in yeah. the live stream. But so don't you think it makes sense that you've got all your bindings and things done before you go off and hit auto launch? Well, oh, I mean that is an issue. One of the first things that I've, the, yeah. That is a good point, Ben, because one of the things that I've heard about, especially from new players, is, my God, setting up the bindings are a pain. I mean, to be honest, if you start off with a HOTAS or um, one of the standard HOTASs or, uh, say, the the Xbox gamepad, you Mm -hmm. can pretty much play it out straight out the box uh, with the default settings. However, I do worry about mouse and keyboard players. I just actually I worry about most and keyboard players anyway, but yeah, it, it, that it, it's been that initial getting over the the first hump, and one of the biggest humps is setting up the controls, and I yeah. don't think they've actually covered it with this. And it's actually, you know what, sorry, I'd almost like from your bindings section to almost have like a hollow ship in a section of it, and you could. You could always play with that, and you could you could see your your thrusters stay firing in your virtual sidewinder, you know, sidewinder schematic or something like that. Yeah, that's just quite to useful. see what you've got. There are loads of things like target wingman's target and stuff like that that it wouldn't be yeah. obvious how to how to show that. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't need everything, but you know, the basic roll pitch, your throttle, um, vertical thrust, horizontal thrust, fire. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those things are in by default, and um, I must admit, I mean, it'll be interesting actually because what I'll do is I could probably use use my son as an experiment to see how he, how he mm-hmm. handles the, the whole thing. Um, uh, so I'll let him go through it and see whether or not he it it yeah. piques his interest. So, um, has anybody else got anything? to quickly say about uh, the the new tutorial, the fact that there's only one? Because I thought there might be more than just one, but... Oh, wouldn't it be great if you could get an Empire-themed tutorial? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, Ben, there is this one um, sort of tutorial flow. Okay, Once right. you've completed that flow, then, um, then you're you might, then in the, the game the in the newbie to... version. Yeah, okay, right. In yeah. the newbie area, rather. So, I mean, if if it's okay with everybody, um, 
we will move on to something which I think is causing palpitations with Shan. Arks, 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 We've been invaded by sea lions. <laughs> and the whole seals are an awesome group, by the way. If you ever need to get your 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 ship bandaged. Good segue. <laughs> I'm, I am impressed with that. So yeah, the other thing, of course, is arcs. Now, um, this has meant a complete revamp of the Frontier Store. Um, effectively, uh, you are allowed to. Uh, browse the store and they've, they've come up with some kind of, uh, basically a store layout which, which means you can look at any ship with any ship kit or um, livery that is in the entire game so you can you can actually see um, what is available through the store a preview mode um, including lighting on and lighting off um, the other thing that happens is that players can purchase these cosmetics items directly from the store without having to reconnect to uh, an external site. Uh, and also, as has been mentioned before, you can change your livery and your ship kit and those kind of things while outside the game so that, well, uh, not, not during the game, you don't have to dock at a space station in order to, to change things. Um, yeah, you can you can also uh, in the preview you can also preview ship kits and liveries for ships you do not yet own. Isn't so, yeah. yes, yeah, you can. I thought I said that, but um, yeah, the, the preview mode will allow you to see any cosmetic item on a vanilla version of any ship, and use uh, basically the, the camera controls so you can view it from any angle. Um, so, what's everybody's opinion about the the store before we get onto the arcs? I think all the store changes sound great. Bar the arcs. <laughs> so the web interface is nice, just not the content. Okay. So, moving away from the store, we'll go and discuss the actual arcs themselves. Now, uh, for those of you who've been living under under a rock, Arx is a new currency that takes over from frontier points and real money transactions across all platforms. Uh, players can purchase a pack containing a number of arcs that are used to purchase these in-game cosmetic items uh, for the ship, SLV, fighter, or the hollow me. Uh, players purchase the arcs from in-game links that uh direct either to an external Frontier store or site. Any outstanding Frontier points are converted to ARC for the first time when the player logs in into the game after the update. So that will be for people on the Xbox and the uh, the, the PS4. Now, players can earn ARCs through standard gameplay up to a 400 a week cap. Um, and that's based on in-game activities within combat, trade, exploration and and they have uh, specifically said that you docking in your space station and just leaving it running will not earn you arcs. Uh, and players are notified of their previous session's earnings on the main menu. Um, in addition to that, the amount of arcs has also been published uh, on, uh, on, on the website. Um, 
let's see, 5,000 arcs will cost you about 299 uh, UK and uh, 399 dollars. So, uh, you know, that's what a paint pack? No, uh, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it, it goes up incrementally. So you've got 8,400. Um, plus a, a 420 bonus, 16,000 for, for 10 pounds, 25,500 for 15 pounds, 51,000. Uh, You're not adding the bonus at, figures on, Colin. What, what's this bonus? Plus stuff? a bonus. Well, basically, what it is, it's, it's a way game companies um, use to encourage you to buy larger multiples. Of whatever points they've got. Oh, I see. So, yeah. Okay. So, you know, you might think um, the nine, you know, two lots of um, four ninety nine would get you um, sixteen thousand eight hundred arcs because you double it, but it doesn't. It gets you seventeen thousand seven hundred because they will obviously you think, okay, well nine ninety nine, I get more arcs per pound. By buying nine ninety nine, and I do two lots of four ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Although that's not strictly true with some of them, but that's the idea. So yeah, so the the top level of arcs you can buy is fifty pounds worth, and that will give you eighty five thousand arcs 100, plus 000. a fifteen thousand bonus, totaling one hundred thousand. What's confused me is the fact that they've actually said plus a bonus. Why the heck didn't they just say, this is how many arcs you get? Because a bonus makes it sound more attractive. Yes. Because it just, it just confused the life out of everybody on the forums. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of psychological fuckery going on there. Using 299 rather than three pounds and adding silly bonus quantities to a, to a, Rather to to obfuscate the flat amount, it's it's there's a lot of casino psychology going on there. I also assume quite ethical when it comes to monetizing games. I also assume that the price of packs isn't going to be the same as the price of arcs bundles, and so where previously I could think I want to buy that ship kit that's going to cost me X pounds, now I have to think. The cheapest bundle I can get is going to be 300 arcs more than the thing that I want. So I'm Precisely. spending more money than I wanted. Precisely, yeah. The whole, it's the whole just thing. an extra layer between me and giving them money that will probably just mean I won't uh, give them any money. Yeah, I mean, the example I, I singled out in the, in the show notes, which is probably the most common one, is if you want to buy a ship paint job. Now, they do give a range of 600 to 5,520, but we all kind of know where a new ship paint job is going to be. So if you say it's 5,520, you spend 299, that then leaves you 520 arcs short of being able to buy ship kit. So you either have to wait... Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, So you either have to wait two weeks to earn the 520 arcs mm-hmm. or you have to go to the buy it now price which is 9.99 that's the that's, that's, the, that's the way the system's designed though they, they, 4.99 they've, you mean yeah. sorry so basically the buy it now price has effectively gone up to four pounds 99 rather than two pounds 99 
Now, yes, you'll have some arcs left over, and they won't ever expire. But even then, the temptation is, oh, I'll spend four ninety nine because then I'm sure we're getting it. So, uh, as you said, there's a lot of psychology involved in doing this. Um, and to be honest, and this is just me thinking, I would rather. I mean, I don't mind Frontier wanting to make money. I don't. I think that's. And we should say that's like we don't mind Frontier making money out of this because hey, it improves the game and whatever. I think what I personally don't like is the attempt to psychologically manipulate yeah. us into spending more money. I yeah, have I not been shy about investing in ship kits and skins just as a show of support for Frontier because I love the game. And this will really honestly put a dent in my spending in that regard because I don't, I generally, I don't buy into games that you have to buy a currency, you know, around any of my gaming. Mm-hmm. But in Elite, it actually make it like it gives me a really nasty feeling. <laughs> yeah, Frontier, yeah. You, you, you've, you've implemented this to obfuscate the true price of things and to make us spend more than we, than we want to or are comfortable doing. It's dishonest and unethical and it's beneath you um and i think i've spent something like i don't know 200 quid on cosmetics and in, in the time i've been playing the game uh, and now i'll just be using free ones um I mean, they, I, should, they shouldn't have done it yeah i, I guess the, the test will come at christmas time or in the black friday sales you know because that's usually when people spend a shed load on the ship kits isn't it it's, they usually have a uh, sorry a paint job per per day at christmas don't they and, and that i think is when um, when the true test and the true expense of it will happen. Um, yeah. At the moment, I've been doing the sums, and I think the sweet spot um, is fourteen ninety nine, uh, which should, which by my calculations gets you about four point eight five paint jobs out of. But that. like, that's a significant difference from the. I really fancy that paint job for one pound fifty. Yeah, precisely. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. It is, and, but they don't expire. So I was thinking, well, I'll send fourteen ninety nine, and then I well, don't I buy a mobile actually... phone app for fifteen quid on a whim. I buy one for a pound on a whim because I want to kill some time or whatever, and I feel exactly the same way about skins and stuff. Well, yeah, most of it, my it most of my cosmetics purchases have been on a whim. Yeah, the the main thing that I do have to point out is that um, historically, the one pound fifty skins if you like, they'll be towards the lower end of the um, of the arc cost, if you like. So they've got the ship paint jobs here uh, at the minimum arcs cost is, is 620. Now, in my opinion, those £1.50 skins, they'll be down at that level. Yeah, agreed. So basically for for that, you spend two ninety nine. Um, and get 5,000 arc points. How many ship skins is that? That's a heck of a lot more than your 151s at the moment. Yeah, what I don't know, of course, is because at the moment it's three quid for several ship skins, isn't it? Yes, I mean, yes, there might only be one or two in there, but yeah, you might, but but you get six for that. So the question is, is because they're selling them individually, Will the effective cost per ship skin go up because you'll only buy one for two ninety nine rather than four for two ninety nine? I'm sure well, they'll still my, have bundles available. 
Well, my experience is that, yeah, they'll still have bundles, I think. Well, well actually, no, they've said they, they, said they, they oh, won't I think they've said they've taken them out, yeah. Yeah, they won't have bundles. The only thing that's bundled is the ship kit. So basically, when you buy a ship kit, you get all the bumpers, the, the, the spoilers, and uh, all the extra wings. You can't pick and choose which part of the ship kit you want. So basically, the ship kit is the only thing there that that's, comes in a pack, if you like. So say, for instance, um, I really wanted the A-Team hauler skin. Have you seen the A-Team hauler skin? No. Yeah, the the hauler has basically a a black skin with red stripes across the tails. Awesome. So it looks like <laughs> the van from the AT. Yeah, I got that. I got that. It cost me a fiver. Um for uh, so when I compare it to that, that's eight thousand four hundred arcs. Now it all depends of course how much that ship skin would have cost. But even at six hundred uh at you know, let's it's it's a hauler for goodness sake. So it's not going to be that expensive. So let's say a thousand arcs. That still gives me seven thousand arcs um, left over. But I've got the skin I want, and I haven't got the skins that I don't want. But I would have had to buy anyway. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, there there are some. My, my reaction is a bit of a, a sort of a, a, a knee jerk reaction. And you're right that there are there are facets to it that might result in better value for players. I really don't like the idea of players spending more than they want to end up with a balance of some of some Mickey Mouse currency that they never that they don't want sat in sat on their account somewhere for for stuff that they have no intention of buying. I, I really don't like that in video games. No, I mean personally, I personally I would have preferred Frontier to say from this update we are putting the prices up to up for thing because of X, Y, and Z. You know, I'd rather be upfront that they have that they are. Increasing the prices across the board and kept at a flat rate. I mean, well, they haven't are, are actually get... released the prices of of the actual individual skins yet, have they? They've given us a range, but yeah, they've given us a range, but they haven't actually given us the prices. Well, I think so... it will be like the Steam sale, where when a new game is released on Steam, it's fifty quid, and as time goes on, it reduces down to one pound ninety nine. So the ship paint job may well start at 5,520 for week one, and by the time you get three months in, it'll be 620. I'm, I'm just quickly looking at this. I mean, the way that the arcs are at the moment, say, for instance, the ship kits, the maximum ship kit that you can that you have is basically 13,520. Now, the ship kits at the moment, some of them are actually quite expensive. And you almost get two ship kits for for fourteen ninety nine in that case, which is cheaper than it is at the moment. Yeah, but if you don't want two ship kits, what you, I mean, no, it, no, it, I'm it, just it, using two ship kits as an example hmm. because you can buy the ship kits individually. My point is, say for instance, you have two ship kits at the moment; they're sort of eight pounds each at the moment. Um, at this moment in time, I could probably get the the. The, the, those two ship kits for a pound cheaper. I know what you're all saying is the fact that you've now got to sit down and work out, oh, does that mean that I it's better than it was before or not? Personally, I, I'm leaning I, towards it is. I mean, I mean, like, I just think it won't earn Frontier as much money because whereas before I'd have just bought a ship kit on a whim, 
Now I will just go, oh, well, it's going to be another 12 weeks before I've earned enough arcs to buy it. I'll just suck it up and wait until I've, you know, got them in game. Well, I mean, there's a chance that profiteering wasn't the intention of the update. There, I mean, there is a, I've, I've sort of been working on the assumption that this is a revenue maximizing thing. There is, there is a, a chance that, it, that maximizing profit wasn't the intention. That there is some, if, there, there is some efficiency benefit to having a if unified. If that wasn't the case, if that wasn't the case, though, they would have allowed us to buy custom numbers of arcs to top our values up. Okay, Ben, quickly jump in. Yeah, because we've been saying for the past ten minutes, I want to say something. Sorry, yeah. ben, sorry about that. <clears throat> but right, two things. First of all, Frontier have had to do this because of we've already got the equivalent of arcs on both Xbox and PlayStation. It's only the PC commanders who are paying real-world currencies. So I think it's a good thing, actually, for Frontier to be able to normalize their cost across all platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we've already, got, we've already got this, so we can't really complain. I think it's very... I actually think that some things are going to be cheaper... Per are going to be a cheap less. You're going to be paying less real world money for some things, so I don't think they're trying to rip us off. Um, you know, I yes, I know. Ex- I don't like what they're doing with the whole. A ship kit is, say, eleven pounds, and you can buy ten pounds worth of arcs. That sucks. Let me buy eleven pounds worth of arcs, but they've already had to do all that kind of stuff for all the other all the other stores. So, I understand why we've had to we've had to just bring it all everything in line. That I don't have an issue with that. Um, okay. But can I go on to the other, the next point? You certainly can. Okay. The other thing, though, you know, just bringing us back into the lepers. Okay. So fine. We we don't think that lepers should get the fleet carriers. The fleet carrier. But what about if lepers were given, say? Ten pounds worth of arcs. Yeah, I mean that's that's that historically what's been done in in years when there aren't when there isn't a paid update. Historically, lepers have been given cosmetics. So giving yeah. giving lepers arcs would be a a consistent thing for Frontier to do. Yeah, based on you into their store. Yeah, I mean, it's reasonable to assume that they'll do that again in two thousand and nineteen. Hmm. Well, I mean, I. To be honest, when that lep leper question came up, <laughs> ring the bell. Um, the the uh, the thing that I thought was no, don't have um, don't have the uh, the lepers having the uh, the fleet carrier for free, but you give them a, a free amount of arcs at the end of the year, and lo and behold, there's a unique sh- um, fleet carrier skin that you could have. Yeah. And that, to me, as a as a a, a lep, <laughs> that seems perfectly reasonable to me. Have we been told that fleet carrier skins are a thing? No. I'm just speculating. Because I mean, capital ships generally don't have different. Um, you know, the, the, there's no there's no variation on skins for capital ships. So far. Yeah, one of the existing capital carry- ships are military ones, though, aren't they? Uh, no, there's. I mean, there's plenty of. People keep calling them fleet carriers rather than capital ships, which is, you know, let's just, they are capital ships. They're, Elite has loads of capital ships. It's got capital trade ships, capital, um, capital, uh, actually, I don't know what else it's got. Science ships, exploration ships, all that sort of thing. Um, and um, 
<laughs> and if you if you go like they've all got the same skins um so i don't think that there's i mean they haven't intimated that there are any plans to do skins for fleet carry yeah but the, you see i'm working on the assumption that because they are going to be a player controlled item it would be daft not to make it available to uh to have yeah, some kind of this game Livecon yeah. 2020 ship skin's going to be a fleet carrier. Is that what you say? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That'd be good. You want that huge Flaming flame death. phoenix icon. All the <laughs> Bitstorm's actually raised a very good point. Um, yeah. Xbox users are more likely to have Xbox points lying around, mm-hmm. whereas obviously PlayStation, well, where PC users might not have you know, we don't have anything just have sitting there. Cash. No. Because, yeah, we would just be, here's, take our, take our money from here. we've only ever had to pay what something cost in the past. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I, don't, I also... Go on. Am I right in thinking that you buy N Frontier Points and do the, do the Frontier Points match up with your... How much you actually have to pay? Or is it, again, a bit wonky numbering, Colin, on it's the weird. Xbox... It's one point, one Xbox point will give you 20 arcs. No, but how many, so at the moment, how many Xbox points give you how many Frontier points? Um, oh, I don't know what the, con- the conversion for that is. I know I've got about um, 500 uh, left on mine, but that's because I bought the Commander's Pack. Right. Uh, and that gave me 5,000. I don't know how much it is at the moment, uh, I, to be perfectly honest. All I do know is that if you have any uh, frontier points at the moment, those will be changed to arcs at a, an exchange rate of 1 point to 20 arcs. So I should have about 5,000 arcs when all this is done. Huzzah! Mm. But considering that at the moment uh, a ship skin on a uh, on a, on the Xbox is three hundred frontier points, uh, so basically that's the couldn't have that. That means I'm going to have be able to buy a lot more ship skins. So this is actually. I mean, I know we've it sounded like we start, we've been quite negative about it, but this actually is sounding like quite a good thing, really, if you want to buy ship skins. Uh, depending on pricing and what, I mean, the, one thing I wanted to bring up was the um, cap and earning rate of arcs is that we don't actually know, because Frontier haven't told us, how how many arcs are earned per activity or, or you know, whatever. Uh, we also, because for example, there's a 400 arcs cap per week. Mm-hmm. Can that be earned in an evening or is yeah. it? A week's a week's playing, or you know, we don't know how quickly. One arc no. per mission. The, <laughs> the only thing that we know about that is that you will not earn arcs just by sitting in a station. But would I earn arcs for doing what I'm doing at the moment and sitting outside of a bar, spinning around because somebody went off and knocked me? Probably not. It'll be linked Probably to not. the the way that Frontier track things is that they they, yeah. they track things like selling a unit of cargo, selling a bit of exploration date. Docking, jumping—they ch- they change events like they, they sorry they track events like that. They don't track things like whether you spun on your axis or whether you flew in this bit of normal space. 
they you know they they, they track. <laughs> I want an achievement point for spinning on my access twenty points twenty times. <laughs> I, I was just thinking, can you imagine the fun if you got more arcs for killing a player than using an NPC? <laughs> oh, can you imagine the salt for that? Oh, good grief! I mean, <clears throat> I made the suggestion that you get different amounts of arcs per. Uh, game mode that you play. Wotherspoon's <laughs> <laughs> just told us that apparently Adam got 39 arcs for doing the tutorial last week. Hmm. So... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Kirkle, do you want to jump in? I was just wondering, with the unification of the various platforms' costs of buying things like ship kits and stuff, do you think maybe Frontier will consider letting you merge your accounts in the future? And Mm, what you mean acro- across? Oh, well, yeah, that's. Oh. It's very limited I, use cases, actually. Mm. I mean, I, I know I've got an Xbox account and a and a PC account. I want to keep them separate, to be honest. I don't mean merge your like your commander accounts. I mean merge your purchases. So the stuff you bought on Xbox would be available on your PC account. Stuff you bought on your PC account would be available on your Xbox account. And that's, Who yeah, wants that's to buy all their ship skins twice or three times if you play on three different platforms, you know? That's mm. what I meant. That is a good point. I'd, I, I would be interested to know how many... It's probably unknowable, there's no link between them at the moment. But I'd be interested to know how many, um, how many players have an account on more than one platform. Well, I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's... Oh, okay. That's 40% of, of players here this evening, although we are... We are Grant, Grant's area. definitely got on every platform. <laughs> every platform, multiple times, isn't it? <laughs> I know my brother-in-law's got one on... I think he's actually got on every platform as well. He's definitely got on PlayStation and PC. Hmm. He might have Xbox as well, I'm not sure. Um, Shan, did you want to come back in there? Or did you cover up what you needed to? Uh, well, I was going to say, we don't know about the earning rate, but the other... The other thing to bear in mind is you mentioned about how many Microsoft points you get per arcs. Mm-hmm. I was understanding that to mean it's an initial conversion, not every conversion going forward. So if you like, this is a conversion into arcs or whatever yes, Microsoft points you've got it initially, not from now on. So no. like maybe it would get get a sale on Xbox points before the patch, and maybe you'll get cheap <laughs> cheap arts. Well, the thing is, uh, um, Xbox points don't actually exist anymore. It's Frontier points that you have to buy. Ah, fair enough. Yeah, um, the Xbox points were taken away, surprisingly enough, because the exchange rate was rubbish and nobody used them. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, I've seen this kind of stuff before. Um, uh, especially with EE and having to buy Bioware points to get the decent stuff for for things like um, Mass Effect games. Um, so you know, I, I understand why that can be. This can be a complete and utter pain in the bum. The one thing that I would has given me a little bit of hope is one: they have managed to keep the entire Arcs interface outside of the. Um, of the main game, if you see what I mean, you buy arcs outside. You, you can't buy the arcs when you're inside the actual game itself. So it's like saying, "Okay, we're, we're we're taking it outside the game. That means you can't buy arcs within the game to give yourself 
an advantage. I assume that they've done that to stop the various stores from penalizing them with a purchase price through their like Xbox store or PlayStation store. The yeah, they'll they'll be keeping it in game for that. But what I was trying to to infer was that because you can't buy arcs from your ship cockpit, it kind of lays down a line to say um nothing that you arcs can't affect your gameplay. Well so there'll be no pay to win. Yeah, fair. Okay, but they, I mean, yeah, it, they they can only buy cosmetic things anyway. Um, and Frontier have always been quite consistent on that. So you can spend your arcs in game, but you can't buy arcs in game. Is that right? No, you buy arc. You can't. Yeah, you you buy arcs from basically effectively a showroom section from the main menu. Once you go into the game itself. You can you can spend the arcs, but only when you uh, are an outfitting or you spend them in the main menu in that section. Mm, okay. So, so. Yeah. So I was just thinking of other games that have a very similar system to this. Um, and again, it's drinking time. So charge your glasses. Um, so that's a World War Two, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we need people to have a good good night's sleep. Um, yeah, if you if you look at Guild Wars Two, that has a very similar mechanic in that they have something called gems, so you can either buy a certain amount of gems um, with real money, or you can translate or you can convert the in-game currency into gems, and the amount of gems per gold or per currency fluctuates with the market. So there isn't a limit to how much uh, gems you can buy a week, and it's a lot more flexible in terms of uh, what you, what you can spend it on and how you can how you can generate it. And I think that's because Guild Wars Two has a more robust player driven economy. It's designed around the player economy, rather elite, rather artificial economy. Um. So having to buy things in set packs for me is quite a strange concept mm-hmm. because I'm used to saying, well, okay, I can convert so many gold into 100 gems, which is all I need to get this next skin. And like like Elite, um, Guild Wars 2 items are purely cosmetic, so there's no pay to win there. My, I think my other disappointment with the system is I kind of wanted Frontier to be more innovative in how they've done this. Um, I'm, what, I do you, have what, what do you mean? Well, I, it just kind of seems like it's a me too. So if you look yeah. at how other games do it, Frontier has now done the same yeah. thing. It's a me too. They haven't really broken the mold or fought outside the box or tried to be innovative in doing this. They've just done it the same way as everyone else has done it. The other thing I wanted to, to mention, and I definitely did mention on our previous show, was about how I wanted uh, there to be like daily or weekly tasks that earned you bonus arcs. So if, for example, they wanted to uh, improve CQCs, um, attendance that you have a bonus for CQC matches or killing Thargoids or whatever it is and you then set your different targets each week to encourage different sorts of gameplay and 
That's exactly that the kind of thing that I suggested about playing a different game. Well, yeah, less controversial than that, but it's, it's a way of, of getting players to try something they may not have done otherwise, because I know what will happen. People will play for a week, find out, I don't know, for example, combat is the quickest way to earn arts, mm-hmm. and then everyone will just flood to do combat and earn their arts and do something else, where if you can put your bonuses into different activities each week or each month, people may well find a mode of the game they've not tried or not enjoyed before and the motivation for doing that has had tangible benefits so it's that kind of extra granularity and extra kind of flair around this system I think is lacking and that is what I found more disappointing than the actual store mechanics or anything else like that well, one thing that I would want to say about the Me Too thing is that not the Me Too thing, this Me Too thing, the um, the fact that they've copied the model from other places like EA does have people Ugh. going, yeah, I know, does have people worried because EA and the other stores are so notorious for pay to win and loot boxes and things like that. Now, I know that we have no reason to believe that Frontier um, are going to implement that kind of, uh, that kind of, uh, how shall we put this, surprise mechanics. <laughs> but um, I, I think one of the reasons think... that people have trouble with this is because of the reputation caused by those other companies. I don't have any fears that suddenly they'll be paid to win on the Frontier store. That's nowhere in my... Yeah, that's not my concern. I think what Sue said earlier, actually, for me, really resonates, which is just it seems so beneath where Frontier should be. Um, There's There's no good reason why a paint job couldn't be a thousand arcs or whatever, or, you know, badger points, whatever the hell they want to call them. And uh, and you can buy them in multiples of a thousand. There is no good reason why they couldn't be X, and you can buy them in bundles of X. It, the, the only reason to not do that is to try and make players spend more than they're comfortable spending. So uh, effectively, the main problem that you guys have got with ARCs is the fact that you cannot um, specify a set amount or buy a set amount that will buy, that will cover uh, what you want. Well, it, y- yes, but more because there is o- the, the only reason you would ever create a token currency like this and implement it in this way is because to try and to try and obfuscate the true price of things and make players spend more than they intended to. That's the only reason. You because you, like there's if, no other way. There's no other reason to do it. it. Yeah, if you if you spend if a thousand arcs buys you a ship skin and you can buy them in units of a thousand you then start questioning why is there a step where i buy a thousand of these things before i can have my ship kit Hmm. yeah Um, even well uh the only thing that i can i can say in response to that is until we know what the arcs prices are or the ship kits and all that prices are properly for what you want then we don't really know for sure whether or not they've they've got the pricing model right, and they have said in the, in the past that they're sticking their finger in their ear whether or not they've got it right or not. Shan, yeah, I was just thinking when uh, it was based on a comment about uh, euros and GDP, GDP and stuff like that in, in chat, 
usually when you buy uh, in-game currency across the store, it is subject to VAT. So it's why you get more currency in the US than you would do if you buy in the EU, because the sales tax in the US is substantially less than the UK VAT. So I'm just wondering um, how that's going to relate to the prices that are seen, because are we are the prices that we've been quoted? They must be inclusive of tax, but the tax rates are different in each country. Because, and that's why some people change their location in Steam, don't they? To I don't know, be in India when they buy the currency or something like that because of these these fluctuations. Interesting, interesting. But I haven't actually seen any figures relating to the impact of tax on these amounts. Right. Well, uh, I guess we'll find out after the 31st of October. <clears throat> Less said about that at the moment, the better. So um, I think what we'll do is we'll wrap up that discussion here and um, uh, quickly run through the, the usual shout-outs. I mean, apart from the arcs and the new player experience, has anybody else got any, any final business before I, I rattle through the usuals? Nope. Nope. Well, um, in community news this, this week, there hasn't been that much. Um, however, um, I will say that we now have some competition. We have, a, there is a new Elite Dangerous post, podcast um, called Loose Screws Elite Dangerous that um, is, uh, they, they have just started, they're now on their, their fourth um their fourth podcast, uh, and basically they do something similar to us, but they they talk in American or Merkin. Uh, so we'll just say hello to uh, Drivel and Dravenous Thirteen, who are running the the podcast over there, and uh, they are available on uh, Pocket Casts, Apple. The Google, the usual places to look for, for your podcasts. So if you look for the Loose Screws Elite Dangerous podcast, you'll find them without a problem. Um, and to tell you the truth, I'm, unless anybody else knows um, of uh, other community stuff that we we should cover? Nope. Nope. Well, uh, in that case, um, the other... Uh, well, not our competition, but our sister station, Hutton Orbital Radio, broadcasts on a Thursday at uh, half past eight GMT, um, or British Summertime at the moment, rather. You can tune at tvforthemug.com, or if you want the audio, at radio.forthemug.com. For discerning commanders who like a bit of the CQC action, check out the Elite CQC Discord at discord.me slash EliteDangerousCQC, all one word. Um, we would like to thank everybody who's chipped in and made the, some excellent points in the Twitch chat tonight. Uh, and, of course, did anybody turn up to, um, to Live Station, guys? Uh, there were a few people flying around Live Station. I just collided with the outside and got put in a detention facility, though, so I can't see anyone. Oh, right. I see. Um, and, of course, following this, we do have um, uh, another excellent edition of the Galactic, uh, the Galnet News, as provided by Commander Wotherspoon. 
But for the moment, that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com. Hit us up at uh, facebook.com slash laveradio. Tweet us at, at laveradio. Or you can join our Discord server by going to discord.io slash laveradio. We also have a TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out and chat, which is shared with the Hutton Orbital Truckers. And you can find that at teamspeak.laveradio.com. So do get in touch if you have any questions um, or has uh, have an idea of uh, community questions or just basically to insult Ben, uh, just feel free <laughs> to drop us an email. So Live Radio, as you can tell, is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at 8.30 um, British summertime at the moment and streamed out at laveradio.com slash live. So thanks to Ben, to Shan, to Commander Souverine and Commander Kurgle and uh, thanks to uh, Kim, uh, to Norman for helping out with the tech tonight. Uh, so, but until next time, commanders, fly safe, and if you can't do that, fly dangerous. News Digest, 17th of September, 3305. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, Pilots Federation and Cash for Flight Time Scandal. Good news for Celiac Commanders. Space 2024. Pilots Federation in Cash for Flight Time Scandal. Commanders will receive bribes to keep flying, according to data leaked this week. With the Thargoids apparently defeated and no community goals or interstellar initiatives, many pilots have been abandoning the cockpit to play space games such as Norman Skies and the forthcoming space epic Stellar Citizen instead. 
The Pilots' Federation is responding in two ways. Firstly, by introducing an improved induction and training programme, and secondly, by making backhander payments to its members in return for their continued cooperation. The payments, called ARCs, are in the form of credit towards various cosmetic items such as paint jobs and decals, and there is no cash equivalent. Seen by some as an act of desperation to prevent the depopulation of the bubble, the Pilots' Federation apparently sees it as a nice way to reward its members for their actions. There's a strict limit of 400 free arcs per commander per week, but top-ups are available in exchange for local currency. The Pilots' Federation has been unable to add up how many arcs you get for a given number of credits, so they're offering strange bundles such as 85,000 plus 15,000 arcs, which really means 100,000 arcs. The Pilots' Federation may be obscuring the true number of arcs in case commanders realise that they don't have to pay to get 100,000 arcs at all. All they need to do is work for the Pilots' Federation for 250 weeks, or four and three-quarter years. And that will be enough to buy one paint job for your fleet carrier. Good news for celiac commanders. Pilots may not have to worry about food intolerance much longer, according to research by the Interstellar Association for Agriculture, which has discovered that galactic supplies of foodstuffs are at an historically low level, making starvation a far more likely outcome. Problems sourcing delicacies for the Alliance Festival of Culture brought the poor harvests in Diso and Arerve to the IAA's attention, but further investigation has shown that crop yields are dramatically down throughout the galaxy. Despite the theoretical production of the more than 2,000 agricultural systems in the bubble being enough to feed the entire human population, the Thargoid invasion force, and any guardians we can find hiding in the ruins many times over, authorities are sufficiently alarmed at the actual production levels that they've appointed a committee to look into it. One option under consideration is a series of synthetic treatments that may bring harvest levels back to an acceptable level. But as no one knows what the cause is yet, the IAA may be getting just a little bit ahead of itself. Space 2024 don't often stop to remember the pioneers of space travel, the days before supercruise, the days when it took four days rather than four minutes to travel between the Earth and the Moon. The first moon landings in the 20th century were a toe dipped into cold bathwater, quickly withdrawn. There was a gap of more than 50 years between the first moon landings and the first permanent base on the Moon. It was 1,281 years ago in 2024, that the very first moon base, Artemis, was founded. It was at this time that the system of low and high orbit space stations was established round Earth and, not many years later, above Mars, as the colonising drive continued. Although the low stations are no longer required, the successors to the original high stations, Li Qingzhou, Mikhail Gorbachev, Abraham Lincoln and Mars High, are still the primary gateways to Earth and Mars. 
But the significance of 2024 is that this was the last year in the history of humanity that every human alive was on or near the planet Earth. Although there was a continuous presence in low Earth orbit from the very start of the 21st century, the first self-sustaining settlement on the Moon was perhaps the greatest milestone in human development. If the reason the dinosaurs died out was that they didn't build space rockets, the year 2024 was the year humanity finally surpassed the legacy of the dinosaurs. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News. We read the news so you don't have to. Night night.